0: looking in Psalm 128, Psalm 128. Uh, We read this passage of Scripture last week uh, to open the service, and this week uh, we're going to be using it as a starting place uh, for our message. Over the past couple of Sundays, we've been looking at the subject of the home and some different things about the home. Uh, Last week, we looked at some basic principles uh, for a good marriage, and then uh, Sunday night I had several folks asking me if I could change that up a little bit uh, uh, because they said that the ladies were really taking advantage of it. So I don't know if that's the case, but if you ladies are taking uh, just, uh, you know, parts of the sermon, you can't do that. You have to take the whole council, all right? So just keep that in mind. But last week we looked at some basic biblical principles for a good marriage, and this week uh, we're going to switch and we're going to look at the thought of raising godly children. Raising godly children, raising good, godly, honorable children. Now I have to be honest with you that this is a large subject, uh, and it is a subject that I am passionate about. About and one that once I get started on it, uh, I can just talk way too long about it, but it is also one that I am always very hesitant and very cautious to deal with. I know that a couple of some of my children have left home, more are wanting to leave home, uh, but I don't mark myself as being an authority on raising children and I do not deliver this message on the basis of I've done a good job so you need to do what I've done and I don't want anyone to get that opinion whatsoever when I deliver this message I am simply going to be telling you what the word of God says I'm going to be telling you what God says works and I'm going to hope and pray that you will take that and you will apply it to your life now I know that not everyone here uh, is parents with children at home uh, but this message can apply to everyone uh, who is here there are many aspects of this message uh, that can apply whether you have have children at home, whether you have grandchildren, whether you're hoping to have children in the future, or whether you are just an aunt or an uncle that has an influence in the life of children. Many aspects of this message will apply to you. So we're going to be looking in Psalm 128 uh, for our passage to get us started this morning and then we're just going to be looking at some Bible principles concerning raising children. Godly children. The Bible says in Psalm 128, starting in verse number 1, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table." Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. Let's pray. Father, it is good to be in your house. Lord, it is good to be among your people. Lord, it is good to worship you. And Father, I thank you that Lord, uh, we have the privilege, we have the freedom, we have the liberty Lord, to come together in your house uh, and lift our hands in praise to you. Father, I thank you that you are worthy of our worship. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you say you inhabit the praises of your people. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that when we come together to worship you. Uh, uh, Lord, that you move in amongst us. And Father, Lord, you cheer us. Uh, you encourage us. You comfort us. You lift us. Uh, and Father, it is good to be in your house. Now, Lord, as we begin to look at your word this morning, and uh, Lord, looking at this subject uh, of raising godly children and concerning the subject uh, of the home. Father, as we look at the truth of your word, uh, Father, I pray that we won't explain it away. I pray, to Lord, that we won't excuse it. Uh, but Father, we will look at your word. We will understand what your word is saying. Uh, and Father, that we will apply it. Lord, those that uh, may not have children at home, Father, I pray that you will help, uh, Lord, as we deliver this message that, Lord, they will see uh, ways that they can implement this, Lord, in the way that they interact with children, Father, I pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the opportunity to be in your house. Bless us now this morning, I pray, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in Psalm 128, we have a poetic picture uh, of a home that honors uh, the Lord. In Psalm 128, that He said, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. And why is that so? Why is blessed everyone that that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways? Why is it so? Because verse number 2 says, for thou shalt Eat the labor of thine hands. And so in other words, the work that you do, the labor that you do, the things that you put your hands to, you will eat of that labor. If we could put it in regards to something that maybe we understand such as gardening. Those who get out and work in their garden, they labor in their garden, they pull the weeds, they fertilize, they cultivate. At the end of the season, they have plenty of produce to put away. But then. You You have others who want to be a gardener. They go to Millmont's, they see all the uh, plants there, the tomatoes and the peppers, and they say, Man, I would like to raise a garden. And so they spend 25, 30 bucks, maybe 150 bucks, however ambitious they are, and they get themselves a bunch of tomatoes and peppers, and they bring them home, and they set them on the front porch, and they say, We'll plant them a little later on. And a little later on never comes, and they shrivel up and die. And at the end of the harvest, they eat the labor of their hands. You see what we do with our hands, we eat thereof. We see here in Psalm 128 a poetic picture of a good home that honors the Lord. He says, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. It says, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. And then he gives us this picture of the home thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house and thy children like olive plants round about thy table, both very pleasant. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth, Lord, We see it here in verse number 1, I promise that everyone who fears the Lord will be blessed. And in the remainder of the chapter, we have a description of those blessings. While there's an untold number of blessings to those that fear the Lord, the focus of this chapter, the picture of this chapter, is on the blessings that come into the home for those that fear the Lord. So with the Lord's help this morning, I want to take a few moments and look at some biblical principles concerning raising good, well-behaved Godly children. And so uh, we want to take a look at that this morning. Now before I get into uh, the actual message, I want to take a few seconds though and look at uh, the importance of recognizing biblical authority because everything that I have to say to you this morning will be of none effect unless we agree that the Bible is the authority on the subject. Unless we all agree that the Bible is the best textbook that we can obtain on the subject, then there's no sense in me preaching the rest of the message. Many times whenever someone will come to me to ask me an opinion or to get some counseling, I will start by saying, I want you to understand that I believe that the Bible is the authority and everything I will be telling you will be based on the Bible and whether or not it helps you will be determined by whether or not you believe. The Bible. So before we start looking at what the Bible has to say about raising children, we need to establish that the Bible is the authority on the subject. You see, the author of the Word of God, the one who penned this book, the one who preserved it, the one who gave it to us, the one who allowed us to have it in our possession that we could read it and refer to it and live by it is the same one who created mankind. It is the same one who set in order that man uh, would be able to bear children uh, and that man would be the one that would instruct those children uh, from youth up. Uh, the, man, the God who authored the Bible is the same God that set that in place uh, and so he is definitely the best resource uh, on how to go about it. But we live in a day when the Bible is discredited as a reliable resource on how to raise children. As a matter of fact, there will be some things that we get into whether we get to them today or the next time we preach on the subject, I'm not sure. But there will be some things that we discuss that our modern society has completely rejected as being effective means of raising children. This world discredits the Word of God. This world disregards the Word of God. They say we want the Bible to be part of our home, but they do not want to follow its principles. So before I can preach to you on these principles of raising godly children, you must, you must, you must understand that the Bible is the authority. And if the Bible says it, then it is true and we can live by it. And once we understand that, then we can move on and see what the Bible has to say about raising godly children. There's a few passages of scripture that we could look at concerning biblical authority. Verse number one of our text says blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. This is talking about blessings in the home and how do we get those blessings by walking in his ways. How do we find his ways by looking in his word. We look at Psalm chapter number one verse one through three a very familiar passage of scripture. The Bible says blessed is every man or blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The Bible then goes on to say, and he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Uh, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What established that guy by the river? What gave him that foundation? Uh, what allowed him to prosper? Was that he referred to the Word of God as the final authority. The Bible tells us in Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The Bible makes it clear that the Word of God is our best resource for understanding how We should conduct every aspect of our life. The Bible tells us in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Why? For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. The Bible says in James 1.25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So as we get ready to look into some basic Bible principles about raising children, I believe we need to agree that what this book says is what's going to make a difference. I know that there's a lot of research that's went into raising children. I know there's been a lot of well-meaning people that's written a lot of books uh, about raising children. I know that there are hundreds of opinions about how you can properly raise your children. Uh, And I appreciate the people that have a concern for raising children and that they have put this literature together and I thank them uh, for the work and the labor that they have put into that. But if it doesn't agree with the Word of God, it's not going to help you turn out good children. The Bible is the authority on how to raise children. So now that we have established the Bible as the authority on how we should raise our children, I want us to look this morning at some things the Bible says about raising our children. The first thing that I want to point out is parental responsibility. Parental responsibility. Your children, or our children, are our responsibility. Nobody else's. Our children are our responsibility. How our children turn out is directly delegated to us. Whenever a child is born into our family, the outcome of that child is 100% my responsibility. What that child learns, what that child understands, what that child grows up to be is 100% my responsibility and I am to give myself to the responsibility of raising a child that loves and honors God 100%. Now, I do not discredit the fact that the Word of God teaches us that every person uh, has an independent will. Uh, every person has the ability to decide whether or not they are going to follow God. Uh, and every person uh, uh, has the ability to turn away from God. Uh, there have been men of God who were faithful men of God, who loved God and served God, who fell into sin. And so for me to tell you that it, you can be guaranteed to raise your children in such a way that they will never fall into sin, they will never get into into trouble, I would be teaching a a lie because that is not true. Your children have the ability to make their own choices and do their own thing. However, when that child comes into your home, it is your responsibility to do everything in your power to ensure that when that child grows up, uh, if they go astray, it will not be because you dropped the ball. It'll be because of their own decision to disobey the Word of God. Our children are our responsibility. How they turn out is delegated directly to us. I want to look at four things I believe the Bible teaches is the responsibility of the parent in regards to their children. First, I believe it is our responsibility to love our children. Titus 2 and verse number 4, we read it a little bit ago, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Now right off, whenever we say that it's our responsibility to love our children, we say, well, that is something that comes natural. So Pastor John must be talking about those people uh, who have an unnatural uh, uh, affection or an unnatural emotion towards their children and they are upset about their children. They feel that their children are interrupting their lives uh, and therefore they they are displeased and are unhappy and do not love their children. And while I know that that does exist and it breaks my heart that there could be parents who bring children into the world who do not love their children and really I cannot understand how that works. I cannot comprehend how a person could bring a child into the world and not love that child but we know that it exists uh, and I know that it out there, but this morning that's not who I'm talking about because I don't believe there's any of those people here this morning. So whenever I say that the Bible teaches it's our responsibility to love our children, I believe that we need to take a few moments and see what the Bible tells us that love is. At first glance, this may seem to be the easiest of the list of responsibilities because of the natural bond between parents and children. But whenever we think of loving our children, we need to remember that there's more to loving our children than squeezing them fat little legs and kissing them chubby little cheeks. Now we enjoy doing that and I had an enjoyable time carrying Emma around this morning and nuzzling her little cheek and t- telling her she was Pop Pop's girl and he- she helps my popularity a whole lot, Emma does. I'm telling you what, more people want to talk to me when I'm carrying her than without. I'm trying not to be offended by that. But... <laughs> But love is more than those sweet little cuddles and those precious little smiles and those sweet little giggles and and the innocent. Love is more than that. Loving your children goes far beyond that. Whenever we think about loving our children, we need to remember that love is a balance. There is a time when love gives. But there is also a time when love will restrain or refrain. Uh, love is selfless. Love is more concerned with the well-being of the child than it is of ourself. You know, I could easily get on a hobby horse right here, but I'm going to try to just jump on for a second and not use up the whole quarter's worth. This world that we live in is so self-focused It burns me up. Now, I believe that it is important that you take care of yourself. I believe it's important that we maintain good physical health. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed the Lord's allowed me to lose a few pounds. I was like, I'm getting too big, I'm getting unhealthy, gotta take care of that. I, I believe that the Lord teaches that we're to take care of ourselves and to take care of our physical body and, and that we're to take care of ourselves emotionally. I believe the Bible teaches that. I believe it's important. But I'm telling you what, if you get on social media and you look at social media posts, it is clear full of all this nonsense about rejecting people in order to take care of yourself. It's okay not to talk to them. It's okay to turn your back to them. It's okay to walk away from them. It's okay to let your responsibilities go. All this stuff. And believe me, I know we need to take care of ourselves, but this self-focus is so anti-God, it's sickening. The Bible does not teach self-focus. The Bible teaches others' focus. You know how to have joy? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. I know that it's a simple thing and it's been overused, but it's still true. And if you're getting on this boat of all this self-exaltation to the rejection of reaching out and making a difference in other people's life, you are on the wrong track and the devil has deceived you. There you go for those of you that don't have children at home. (laughs) Now back to those that have children at home. Love is selfless. Love is more concerned with the well-being of the child than it is with my own enjoyment and comfort and care. It used to not be uncommon at all for if there wasn't a lot of food. Kids never understood this. I know my mom did it. She'd fix supper and we'd be like, Mom, you not eating? No, I'm not hungry. Now, mom was hungry. There just wasn't enough food to go around. She wanted to make sure everybody ate before she got anything. And a lot of y'all grew up with mamas like that. They'd make sure you had food before they had food. Now, I'm not saying, moms, that you should do without eating. I'm not saying that you shouldn't make sure that you get a little nourishment too. But I want to say that... Love says I'm more concerned about you than I am me. We'll just jump on one little illustration. Like I said, when I get on this subject, I'm passionate about it and I talk way too much. So y'all just shut me down when time's up, all right? This right here just burns me up with parents. I have one. I got a cell phone. There's social media on here. I got an email on here. I got like five Bible apps on here. If you don't have Bible apps on your phone, Get your phone saved, all right? Somebody's phone's working now. (laughs) But this burns me up. Parents, am I going out of camera, man? Oh, good, good. They're sitting here like this. And a little kid comes up. Mama, 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 I want you to come see. I called a grasshopper. Hang on. Ha 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 ha. What are you laughing at? This this parent's kid just caught a grasshopper. Yeah, your kid just caught one too, if you'd pay attention. But I'm telling you what, we live in a generation of parents that have allowed this little box to come between them and their children. And I'm telling you what, if this is keeping you from interacting with your children, if this is keeping you from engaging with your children, if this is keeping you from paying attention to your children, take you a good sledgehammer and bust this thing and get you a flip phone that don't have all that junk on it so you can be a parent and raise your children. Anyway, back to the sermon. All right, love is selfless. Love is a commitment. Love is a commitment. Love doesn't expire. Love continues even when it's not convenient. You know what, whenever them little ones are about this big and they got all them innocent giggles and them cute little smiles, it's pretty easy to love them. But when they get up about this big and they know how to run and they've learned that if they, if, that they, that they could, don't have to listen, that they can run instead and you ought to break that really, really, really fast. But, you know, while you're in the process of breaking that to, and you're trying to get things done and they're just wrecking stuff and turning stuff over, and I mean, you, you will not believe how fast a child can destroy a freshly cleaned home. I mean, it don't take them long. And it can become unconve- inconvenient. They can start becoming a burden, but love is a commitment. You love them even when it's not convenient. And as parents, when we think about this thing of love, it's our responsibility to ensure that our children are loved. It's our responsibility to make sure our children know that they are loved. It's important that our children be secure in the fact that their parents love them. There's nothing wrong with telling your children often and regularly that you love them. They need not have any question that their parents love them. They need to be secure in your love and you need to reaffirm it Over and over and over, you need to reaffirm it with your words. You need to reaffirm it with your rules. You need to reaffirm it with your discipline. You need to reaffirm it over and over and over and over so that the child knows without a doubt, my mom and dad love me. No question. It is your responsibility to make sure your child is loved. I know that we want our children to have friends. I know we want our children to be popular. I know we want our children uh, to be somebody that everybody notices. But that doesn't always happen. But it's your responsibility to make sure, even if nobody else in the entire world likes them, they have no question that mom and daddy love me. It is our responsibility to make sure our children are loved. In addition to loving our children, it is also the parent's responsibility to train their children. To train their children. Proverbs 22, 6, we all know the verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, will not depart from another. There's so much I could say about this verse. and We may have to come back and do a message just on this verse. But this morning, I just want to use it as a reference to remind us of our responsibility of training children. We as parents are responsible for the shaping and molding and development of our children. As parents, we are responsible for their behavior. I'll just move on. We are responsible for their attitude. When you have a small child with a bad attitude, you are responsible to be the one that fixes that attitude. We'll back up a little bit. When you have a child that is misbehaving, it's not anyone else's responsibility. It is your responsibility to address their misbehavior. You are responsible to train them how to behave. You are responsible to teach them how to have a good attitude. You are responsible for how they conduct themselves among other people. It is your responsibility uh, that your child develops uh, obedience, uh, that your child develops respect for elders, uh, that your child develops uh, self-control. That is your responsibility as a parent to train these things into your children. Now, I'm not going to get there this week, but next time we come back to this subject, we're going to be looking at some practical applications, how we make this work. So I'm not going to delve into all that, this morning. But I am going to say that training children is not difficult if you are consistent. Now, the Bible gives us some real good rules about how to discipline our children, and we're going to be looking at that the next time we return to this subject. And I'm not going to be diving into that this morning. And I know that there are a lot of different ideas and ways to train children. And I believe that the Bible way is absolutely the best way, but I will say there are other ways that work if you are consistent. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. You want to raise good godly children, be consistent. If it's okay for them to do it when you're feeling good, then it's okay for them to do it when you're feeling bad. Well, I'm telling you what, it just burns me up when I see these parents who encourage their children to misbehave and laugh at them for misbehaving and think that it's okay that they're misbehaving, and then the next day that parent's not feeling well and they're yelling at their child for doing exactly the same thing. You want to raise good, godly children, you want to train children, be consistent. And just a little clue, just don't ever let them misbehave and you won't have that problem. All right. All right, sorry. I love y'all. Really, I do. Don't think I'm angry. I just really get upset at parents who don't take their job seriously. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And if he has allowed children to be in your life, he has blessed you. And we ought to take it seriously very, very Seriously, we are responsible for their mannerisms. We're responsible for how they interact with others. But when I say that, I understand that training takes time. They're not perfect right off from the start. And even whenever you think you've got them right there, I mean, they will embarrass you big time. They're good at that. I understand training takes time. Training requires patience. Training can be tiring. But if you're a parent, then training that child is your responsibility. The next one, in addition to training our children, it's the parent's responsibility to teach their child. You say, well, isn't that basically the same thing? Well, training consists of shaping and molding the behavior and mannerisms of the child. Teaching involves developing the knowledge and understanding of the child. I guess we could say that training has to do with the physical and teaching has to do with the mental. It is your responsibility to teach your child. Men, we'll take a a little detour here and just speak just to you. You are to be the spiritual leader of your home. What does that mean? That means that your children ought to be able to ask you Bible questions and you ought to have the answer. That means that your children ought to see you having a daily relationship with God. That means whenever you decide what your family is or isn't going to do, you refer to the Word of God and you explain it to them out of the Word of God. Men... You are to be the spiritual leader in your home. We live in a day when the ladies uh, have become the spiritual leaders in the home. And although I praise the Lord for ladies uh, who are interested in knowing God and are interested in learning more about God and are interested in teaching their children about God, and I praise God for those ladies and where would we be without them, I do want to say, men, if she is ahead of you spiritually, you better get busy catching up because you are to be the spiritual leader of your home. And as the spiritual leader of your home, you are to be teaching your children the things of God. Teaching involves developing the knowledge and understanding of the child. The Bible teaches us that the parent is responsible for what education the child receives. As parents, it's our responsibility to be directly involved in what information the child is receiving. We have a television at home. We don't have any type of TV service, but we do have, uh, you know, the subscribed things that you can subscribe to so we can watch TV there. Um, We've got Discovery Plus and Disney Plus and uh, some of those different things, and we do watch television at home. But you know something as a parent you should never, ever, ever, ever do? It's just turn on the TV and leave your little infant or your little 3-year-old or your little 10-year-old to sit in there and watch whatever comes across that screen. Don't ever do it. You need to be directly involved in what information your child is receiving. Before we let our kids watch a movie, either Melissa and I will watch it first, or we'll watch it together as a family. If if we if everybody says this is a good show, nothing wrong with it. You know, you should. It won't be nothing in there to bother your children. Then we'll watch it together as a family, so I can speak up if it's something I don't approve of. If we don't have any information about it, then we watch it first. And you know what? There's been some pretty harmless movies that the kids lost interest in because Dad never got around to watching them. You say, wow, you're just depriving your children. No, it didn't do them no good. Matter of fact, you can raise perfectly healthy, well-balanced children, and they not have any TV intake. I know that because my dad didn't have a television the whole time I lived at home, and he still doesn't have one. And y'all can tell I turned out fairly normal. So I want to say, whenever we look at teaching our children, we need to be directly involved in what information our child is receiving. We need to be proactive in guarding what is shaping their reasoning and philosophy. And we're to be especially concerned with their understanding of the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse number 11, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Psalm 78, verse 2, Down through verse number 5, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Joel 1 verse number 3, the Bible says, tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. It is our responsibility as parents to teach our children to teach our children so many parents are content to relinquish their responsibility, to sub it out. And then they wonder, why is my child so different from me? We allow the church to be the only spiritual influence that they ever get. While church is good and you should bring your children to church and preaching and Sunday school will help develop your child, if that's the only Christian spiritual influence they're getting, I can guarantee you the chances are very slim that they're going to turn out right. But that's their spiritual influence. And then then we send them off to the government school. We're there at the government school. They are taught the devilish lie of evolution. They are taught secular humanism. They are taught that God is not the authority. They are taught all kind of God-denying things in the public school. And let me just interject this right here. You may regularly tell your children, now don't believe what your teacher says about evolution but believe what they say about everything else because mom and daddy don't know how to teach you about that. They're not going to figure mom and dad knows what they're talking about about evolution either. If the teachers are smarter in everything else, Good chance the teachers are smarter here. But we send our children out to public schools and five days a week, they drink in the teaching of the world that denies God all week long and then they get two hours at church and we wonder why they don't turn out good. We let the church be the spiritual influence. We let the school take care of that. And then we allow television. I've already hit this one, but we allow television to develop their personality. We allow television to develop their clothing styles. We allow television to... uh, how they act and interact with other people, how they interact with adults. Uh, we allow television to teach them uh, the role of their parents, the father, and the mother. And boy, I could just get into so much right here. I don't have time. I'm already over. And y'all already look bored. So we got to wrap this thing up. Uh, but I'm telling you what, television uh, shapes their entire personality. And then they get grown and they leave the church. Uh, and you say, I don't know what the preacher did wrong. It's not the preacher that did something wrong. It's you that did something wrong. It was your responsibility and you subbed your responsibility out to someone else and they didn't turn out right. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to love, to train, to teach. But then it's our responsibility to point them to Christ. In Deuteronomy chapter number 6, I love this passage of Scripture. Starting verse number 5, the Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. We're going to read a little bit more, but let me tell you. You say, how do I point them to Jesus, Pastor John? I was talking with someone about this the other day. I said, how do we do this? And he said, the only way is by example. Say, how do I point my children to Jesus? Right here in verse number five it says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. How do I point my kids to Jesus? They look at you and they see somebody who loves the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything in the world. The best light that they can have is a parent that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 6, And these words, in addition to being an example, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It should be so that whenever your children ask you about anything, you have a Bible verse to explain it with. When they want to know your opinion on anything, that you can go back to the Word of God over and over and over and you teach them diligently what the Word of God says. That is how you point them to Jesus. In Genesis 18, verse number 19, the Lord was speaking of Abraham. He said, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. It is our responsibility to point our children to Christ. Bringing them to church is a good step and it's something you ought to do and I praise the Lord for each of you that do that. But pointing your children to Christ goes far beyond just bringing them to church. It ought to be in your house. That passage in Deuteronomy goes on to say that it ought to be on the walls. It ought to be, they ought to see it everywhere. You say, well, what does that mean, put it on the walls? It means literally frame verses of Scripture and hang them on your wall. That's what it means. So that they look at it, they see it, they read it, they memorize it, and it becomes a part of who they are. It is our responsibility to constantly, consistently be pointing our children to the Lord Jesus Christ. This world, this world has all kinds of things that they want our children to do. All kinds of things that they want our children to be a part of. And boy, I'm telling you what, we point them to it over and over and over and over and over and over. And we wonder why they don't follow Christ. I'm going to borrow Michaela for just a minute. This is just a surprise. She didn't know she'd be part of my sermon. Thank you, Michaela. Michaela's my daughter. I'm very proud of her. She really bad wants to marry a soldier, and I'm not sure about that. But Other than that, she's a wonderful daughter. But you know what? Here's what parents do. You start this way. Sweetheart, we got to go to Christ. And We start this way. But hold on, sweetheart. I want you to be involved in cheerleading. But Daddy, I'll have to miss miss youth meeting. It's okay. Do cheerleading. We'll get youth meeting later. All right, done with cheerleading. Let's let's go to Christ, but first, we want to take dance lessons. Daddy, I'll miss Sunday school. It's okay. It's okay. Let's go to Christ, but first, let's play softball. Let's go to Christ, but first, let's play softball. Let's go to Christ, but first let's play basketball. And then she's grown up and she's an adult and she's living her own life. And I sat down with her mom and I say, why won't she go to church? Because I taught her diligently that church was not important, but that everything that the world offered was important. Am I against sports? No. As long as they don't interfere with pointing your child to Christ. Am I against uh, learning to do things and enjoying things and and getting social interaction? No, I'm not against that, as long as it don't keep her from being pointed to Christ. But if it keeps her from being pointed to Christ, then I am very, very much against it. If your child is involved in something that's keeping them out of the Lord's house on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, you need to get them out of it. You say, Pastor John, that's extreme. We'll find out on judgment day. And I'll be much happier to have a kid who can't dribble a basketball receiving crowns at the feet of Jesus. i be so much happier. I don't care if she doesn't even know the name of a single team. Gets baseball and basketball confused when she's trying to explain the rules. And everybody mocks her and makes fun of her. If she's getting crowns at Jesus' feet, I could care less. Because that's what I'm raising her for. That's what God commanded me to do. And he is the authority on how to raise good, godly children. I know that this hits home. I know that this is that sometimes we preach messages and we're preaching to folks that aren't here and we all say, Amen, that's right, preacher. But I know in many respects this hits home. As I said when I started, I don't preach on the authority that I've done a good job raising my children. I pray for my children every day and I'm scared to death that the devil's going to get in their life. I don't preach this on the authority that I did a good job and I want you to do what I did. I preach this on the authority of God says it's our responsibility to make sure our kids end up in heaven and we've got to take it serious. Churches are losing children at a rate of 80 to 90 percent. We're not doing something right. And i tell you what we're not doing right. We're not obeying the authority. I've heard many parents say, I'm glad I got these kids. I just wish they would have came with an instruction manual. They did. It's right here. And if you follow it, you'll be able to raise good, godly children. There's so much more we're going to look at. We want to get into this thing of practical application, how we go about this training. And we're going to, we're going to get in some stuff there too. But it's based on the authority of the Word of God. Take it serious. Take it serious. Let's all stand. going we'll to ask Miss Debbie to come to the piano. As Miss Debbie begins to play on the piano, here's my invitation. I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and say, Lord, give us the next generation. Lord, whether I'm a parent or a grandparent, uh, uh, whether I'm directly involved in the lives of children or whether I just see the children in the church, my prayer to you this morning, Lord, is that you give us the next generation. Uh, On Mother's Day we had 30 some children standing here on this stage. Uh, If statistics are right there will only be one or two of them staying in the church once they become adults. Uh, I don't want to see that. I want to see all 30 of them in the church Uh, and I want us as a church to pray God give us the next generation. We're not letting them go. We're not giving up. Uh, We're not going to let the world have them. We want them to be following you and that is my invitation to you this morning. Come to this altar and say, God, give us the next generation. Let me do whatever I can do to ensure that our children are still here when they're adults. As Miss Debbie plays, The Lord Spoke to Your Heart, You Come.